says to the people, obey the voice of the Lord your God. The second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, and there he tells us that everything in heaven and everything on earth, when Jesus made peace by his death on the cross, became reconciled. Our hymn is Mike Anderson's Praise the Lord Who Heals the Brokenhearted. And our 12 talks on meditation continue with number two, the tradition of the mantra with John Main. Let's begin with the prayer from Father Don Gergen, a prayer for the body. Lord, loving God, Help us to appreciate the beauty, the value of the sensual, the physical, the bodily. And help us also to realize the fullest extension of that embodiment as we reverence and appreciate your creation. Amen. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You have answered right, said Jesus. Do this and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was once on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him up and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be travelling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite who came to the place saw him and passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan traveller who came upon him was moved with compassion when he saw him. He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He then lifted him on to his own mount, carried him to the inn and looked after him. Next day he took out two denarii and handed them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back I will make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, Go and do the same yourself.
The parable of the Good Samaritan can be looked at in all sorts of ways. Advice on kindness and social concern, or how not to be a hypocrite or too caught up in our self-importance to be delayed from our more worthwhile plans. Most common commentaries tend to go like this. Who is my neighbour? The answer is the Compassionate Samaritan, a member of a group condemned by Jews at that time for false worship and political hostility. The equivalent for some Christians today might be Hindu or Muslim being the one who helps. Richard Rohr says that in choosing to tell this story, Luke is saying the ones who belong to Christ are the ones who can live the compassionate life, who can live in love, who don't make divisions by race or theology. Jesus chooses someone outside the Jewish system, Samaritan, to be the true neighbour. One interpretation I found to be useful is to see the story as an encounter with Jesus himself, who wants everyone to be like him, to imitate his compassion and works of mercy. Could the Good Samaritan be Jesus himself? Have you ever felt that you are on a downward path like the man straying down from the heights of spiritual Jerusalem to the worldly temptations of Jericho? Spiritual life can have highs when all seems joyful and easy, like a time spent all on pilgrimage or retreat to Lourdes or to um, one of the Benedictine monasteries. Then comes the trip back to reality as you come home and things seem to be very low-key and other people don't seem to get why you were so positive. Time finds the highs turning into a low. It's the spiritual life of undulations and it's very common. The difficult thing to understand is that sometimes it's on the lowest point that an encounter with Jesus can occur with an offer to enter into the love shared in the Trinity. What if we looked at the parable this way, as if we were on a path searching for holiness, but being tempted on all sides and distracted by the attractions along the way? Another thing that strikes me about today's Gospel is how much we rely on the Old Testament without realising it. The Old Testament helps our understanding of the new, and that is a world of symbols and phrases that give meaning to many of the expressions used by Jesus. It's full of imagery and responses to the fundamental questions of life that every generation asks anew. It contains the summary of a people's reflection on many of these same questions about social justice, respect for the poor, and the ways to show love for God and neighbour. Luke often portrays Jesus in the role of a rabbi, teaching his listeners about the Old Testament. Jesus, the superb storyteller, is what we find today in his tale of the good neighbour. He's teaching Old Testament ideals about respect for the poor, compassion for victims, and social justice. He presents a model to follow that is manageable for his listeners so they are encouraged. 
He engages everyone with true-to-life details of crime and violence. Everyone is drawn into the story wondering what will become of the half-dead man. Perhaps we could leave it at that and come away with a determination to help anyone we found to be set upon on our streets or even join with others to go out onto the streets at night and dish out soup or medical help around the clubs and the all-night venues. If we're honest, this isn't really going to be the most common outcome for most of us. What if we try to see this as a parable that is more personal? What about when I fall into sinful ways? What happens when I am tempted to go down the wrong path? Perhaps when we're given the grace to overcome some vice, we're a little half-hearted, like a child with a toothache and not wanting to go to the dentist. Or another picture given by C.S. Lewis is that we're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. The injured man doesn't refuse the help, but we do have a free will and can say no. If we ask for help and accept Jesus, then he will not just wipe your face and stick a plaster on your knee. He will begin the full healing process, which might involve some difficult times. Perhaps this is the problem. We don't want the full treatment. We want help, but on our own terms. In mere Christianity, Lewis says, make no mistake, if you let me, this is Jesus speaking, if you let me, I will make you perfect. The moment you put yourself in my hands, that is what you're in for, nothing less or other than that. Jesus will begin the emergency treatment. He does bandage our wounds, pour oil and wine on them and provide instant comfort. Then along the difficult road he lifts us up onto his own mount. We're not alone on the journey to perfection. He continues to look after us over the critical period and then we have to be left without him for a while. We may now rely on support from the trusted ones who will also help us good Samaritans. We now have to trust that Jesus will return to complete the healing process. And the final word to continue on our journey with a new impetus to be like him and not count the cost. So the lawyer who wanted to justify himself with the question, who is my neighbour, was given another question by Jesus. Which of these three acted as a neighbour to the one in need? St Paul might have said the answer is Jesus, when he made peace by his death on the cross and reconciled everyone in heaven and earth. And because Paul now saw that all the church was the body of Christ, he may have included that or conclude even that every victim was also Jesus as well. Well, perhaps we could simplify this for ourselves by including anyone who shows mercy 
and has gone out to do likewise for those in need. The task might read, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, heal the sick, comfort the dying, visit the imprisoned. Please come to me in spiritual communion. Send your body and blood gushing through my veins. Send your love into my heart, my soul, my mind. Lift me up to your bosom and infuse me with your divine love. Amen. The first talk is called The Tradition of the Mantra. This is part one. I've often found 
when talking about meditation, that it is the non-Christian, even the person with no religion, who first understands what meditation is about. To many ordinary churchgoers, and many priests, monks, and sisters, the mantra seems at first a suspiciously newfangled technique of prayer, or like some exotic trick method, or like some kind of therapy that may help you to relax, but has no claim to be called Christian. This is a desperately sad state of affairs. So many Christians have lost touch with their own tradition of prayer. We no longer benefit, as we should, from the wisdom and experienced counsel of the great masters of prayer. All these masters have agreed that in prayer it is not we ourselves who are taking the initiative. We are not talking to God. We are listening to his word within us. We are not looking for him. It is he who has found us. Walter Hilton expressed it very simply in the 14th century. He wrote, You yourself do nothing. You simply allow him to work in your soul. The advice of St. Teresa was in tune with this. She reminds us that all we can do in prayer is to dispose ourselves. The rest is in the power of the Spirit who leads us. The language in which we express our spiritual experience changes. The reality of the Spirit does not change. So it is not enough to read the masters of prayer. We have to be able to apply the criterion of our own experience, limited though it may be, in order to see the same reality shining through different testimonies. For example, what Hilton and St. Teresa are showing us is the same experience of prayer as that which led St. Paul to write that we do not even know how to pray, but the Spirit prays within us. What this means, in the language of our own day, is that before we can pray, we have first to become still, to concentrate. Only then can we enter into a loving awareness of the Spirit of Jesus within our heart. Now many Christians would still say at this point, very well, but this is for saints, for specialists in prayer, as if stillness and silence were not universal elements of the human spirit. This type of obstinate false humility is based on a plain unawareness of who St. Paul was writing to in Rome and Corinth and Ephesus. He was not writing to specialists, to Carmelites and Carthusians, but to husbands, wives, butchers and bakers. And it shows, too, an unawareness of the specific teaching on prayer by later masters. St. Teresa of Avila, for example, was of the opinion that if you were serious about prayer, you would be led into what she called the prayer of quiet within a relatively short time, six months or a year. Abbot Marmion saw the first years in a vishat in the monastery as being designed to lead at the end of it to what he called contemplative prayer. St. John of the Cross said that the principal sign of your readiness for silence in prayer was that your discursive thinking at the time of prayer was becoming evidently a distraction 
and counterproductive. There is a kind of self-important, posing humility that makes us stand aloof from the call of the redemptive love of Jesus. Very often we are reluctant to admit that we are the sick and sinful Jesus came to heal. And very often we prefer our self-protecting isolation to the risk of our face-to-face -face encounter with the other in the silence of our own vulnerability. In meditation, we turn the searchlight of consciousness off ourselves, and that means off a self-centered analysis of our own unworthiness. If memories of past actions keep coming between you and God, says the author of The Cloud of Unknowing, you are resolutely to step over them because of your deep love for God. In prayer, we come to a deeper awareness of God in Christ. Our way is the way of silence. The way to silence is the way of the mantra.
Spirit, come down. Let the Spirit.